tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. All right, welcome to another episode of Tap It In. Uh, this week we have Blake on vacation in Jamaica. He escaped the uh, snowstorm here in uh, Massachusetts. So we have Jeff Feinberg joining us, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, we're lucky for him to stop by. How's it going? Going well, Matt. I uh, know what you're going through there. We were under our pile of snow a couple weeks ago, and uh, shout out, getting out of town. You always, that's like an ace in the hole. Like when you get out of town and then it gets a blizzard or a good old nor'easter dropped on, like that vacation feels double as good. So props. Oh, yeah. Um, luckily enough, I'm, I'm able to uh, record the show from my prison cell, as you can see from my, my background here. Um, so they gave me an hour, so we'll be good for that. Um, so l last week, real quick, we'll talk about um, just a quick little recap. I had Day and Rose, you know, as usual, and I thought back nine on Sunday we had a real shot, especially considering 15 under ended up getting into the playoff, and Rose, all he needed was a birdie. And then you had Day, who got to 15 after the Eagle, and he backed up. Uh, so that was a pretty painful one for me. How did it end up going for you? Uh, I enjoyed that quite thoroughly. Had Will Zalatoris out there, and uh, I showed it all. I showed it to Mayo. He made mention of it on the show. I had a nice little Luke list. Like I got really greedy. I put some college basketball on with him. So just a really small nugget on list that paid back quite handsomely. So I enjoyed that playoff quite well. Would have. Won more money on Zalatoris would have been part of that Twitter party. Had Zalatoris won, uh, had Sung JM. So all you can really say is going into Sunday, I had a body in each of the last couple groups, and you hope for the best. Uh, I don't know. I was um, day I would have enjoyed Rose. Rose not so much. Yeah, I mean. Both those guys are frustrating. I, I thought um, being in the mix, they had a good chance to win just with all the experience and, you know, kind of going against guys who weren't really proven winners like List and Zalatoris and whatnot. But not that these guys have been proven winners for three or four years now. And um, that might be a good segue heading into this week because now these guys kind of being steamed up and just past the favorite to get those guys. So quick little course preview. We're at um, three courses this week. We're back to the, the three-course rotation in the Pro-Am. Last year they skipped it because of COVID. This year it's back, uh, which pretty much sucks. Nobody likes it. You got Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, and Monterey Peninsula. All three of the courses are somewhat similar. You know, they're all around 7,000 yards and, and under. Uh, Monterey Peninsula is par 71. The other two are par 72s. But uh, overall, you're looking at kind of similar things. Um, shorter courses, small greens, um, you know, all types of guys can compete here. Uh, anything to add on the on the course? Not not a ton. Uh, it's one of those events that we've seen guys uh, sort of either hit at twenty to one or under, or two hundred to one or above. Uh, it's kind of left that middle range out in the dust. It's one of the few courses on tour that you know has shown a significant course history element and I'm not a big course history guy but there are a few places on tour that you go each year that even if you're not a course history truther that you have to sort of reevaluate all of that because there are some small trends and some sort of much bigger trends that point to course history having played a role in the winner's circle 
Absolutely. I uh, I actually am a big course history guy. And this one, yeah, I had it in my uh, model and my write-up today for Action Network. I talked a lot about the course history and the guys who kind of play well here every year. So it's definitely something you have to look at. Um, and the same thing we talked about for American Express two weeks ago, and we had Hudson Swafford, who was a past winner. So, I mean, it definitely holds some weight. And I think a little, there's a lot of similarities. Shorter courses, the three-course rotation in the course history. Um, so it's we're looking at that, um, a similar situation. Also, you know, you and I, I think are both similar in that we love hitting that 20 to 50 range. And just because it's been dead in the past, does that mean you think, you know, it's a something you want to avoid or is it just a matter of time? Now, the bets I think I'm making, Matt, are all in that range. And I'm almost joking. I'm walking into the Pebble Beach dead zone. But that dead zone is actually too big to call it a dead zone because by Pebble Beach, it's literally under 20 to 1 or over 150 to 1. So... That's just something that I can't buy into. And just, I we always like to pick a lane. That's the lane I like to pick. And I'm not going to ignore that. I've made a couple bets. I haven't made anything under 40 to 1 yet. I'm still, I still could. But it really is that 40 to in front of 100 that has my eye. And by all accounts, you could call that uh, the, the no-fly zone for for this AT&T, but not, not stopping me, at least in the early moves that I've made. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, what are you going to do? Just pick some random guys, 200 to one and above, and then just pick a favorite. It's just, there's no, isn't it? You can't bet that way. So you yeah. Kinda... Sorry, yeah, I've even joked with uh, Mayo already. It's like, I like Daniel Berger. I'd like to bet Daniel Berger. Like, I don't think the number's horrible, but I like building a card way too much. So no, and the back-to-back -back hasn't really happened here, and not that it couldn't, but I, uh, I, I'm definitely fine with going away from Berger. So I'll just start with the top five here. We got five guys under twenty to one this week. I'm using Bet Three Six Five. We have Cantley at eight to one, Berger at fourteen to one, Willie Z at eighteen to one, Jordan Spieth at twenty to one, and Jason Day, who was a hundred to one last week, now is twenty <laughs> to one. Um, I'll start by saying the first four, while they could be all right. Um, I have no interest in Jason Day. I guess that's something we've got to talk about. But you just said you didn't bet anybody below uh, below forty to one, and I'm with you there. I don't think the top guys are bettable, especially with the way Spieth is playing. Um, if you have nothing to add to those four guys, I kind of want to talk a little bit about about your thoughts on Jason Day. Uh, it's not. I mean, just because I haven't doesn't mean I'm not thinking about it. Uh, you know, I'm one of those people that bet Zalatoris at the. 50 to 1 two weeks ago. I even took the bite in the mid-30s last week. You know, am I willing to go down again? Probably not, but I also haven't put red ink through it. And Spieth, I mean, I'll be honest, he's a guy that um also hasn't doesn't um I haven't counted out yet. Of course, history being such a big thing. This is where he got it going last year. Uh I'm not the how do I put this? I have this perception of not being a big speed fan. That's not true. Sort of put uh, made a claim on him that ended up being correct, and I'm happy to see him play great. That being said, when we get to majors, I can't stand Jordan Spieth because I like to bet on guys that have never won majors, so I like just cheering for guys to get more majors. But an event like this with the course history, this is where he got hot last year to start. Uh, what was a really nice 
run of great form and a, and uh, which had a win involved and a really strong season. So 20 to one doesn't seem crazy. No, and believe it or not, I never thought I'd say this, but that's almost a contrarian view this week. It seems like no one's really talking about speed. We have a lot of people talking about Zalatoris, a lot of people talking about day and well, to be fair, Spieth has been god-awful. He's been absolutely awful his past four starts. Minus six on approach, minus two on approach, minus four and a half on approach, minus one last week. He's just been very, very bad. Um, I'm not reading too much into the Farmers finish because, you know, he never plays well there. So could he turn it on? Yeah, but he just – I'm kind of under the impression that he might just suck at golf again like he did the past four years. Is that possible that he just sucks again? Uh, that's possible. Uh, but I would say Pebble Beach, Augusta, but you don't want any of that smoke because there's too many good players. And to bet speed at Augusta, you'd probably be like 40, uh, you know, like 14 to 1 or 12 to 1 against, you know, the, the dragons of the sport. Right. And, and maybe one of those Texas tracks. Like, this is his place. Like, this is one of his comfort zone tracks that even when he was in his dip, he played well at. So, yeah, I don't see myself making that move in the end, but I actually think the number is pretty fair, especially for a lot of the guys. I wasn't expecting him to get a 20 when I was get thinking about the field, you know, per, last night per se. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you there. I, I, I kind of like to play. I'm, it's starting to grow in me a bit, especially because no one's talking about it and – you know, I came into this week thinking I was going to bet Jason Day, but now I'm seeing kind of everybody is, and he's 20 to 1. And my, how can you bet him over Zalatoris and Spieth? And I'm not saying I, I can't bet him over Zalatoris and Spieth because I certainly might, but, man, it's tough. And, and just like with Spieth, like you just said, even the years when Day's been terrible, he's come here and he's been a walking top five every single time. He should have won last year. His putter abandoned him. I have memories of last year. Maybe it might have even been Torrey Pines last year. But he, he had this run last year where, ironically, it was his putter that totally abandoned him. But he was pin-stalking it through California. Could you see yourself getting to Jason Day this week? No. no. If it wins, I'll be happy for him. I'd have been happy for him on Sunday. I'd have been happy for Rose, too. I like seeing all these guys. I want them healthy. I want them playing well. I want to see them going up against this great young crop of, of golfers. 20-1 to 1 for me, Jason Day. No, no, I'm going to keep moving moving backwards. Very t- Yeah, very tough to stomach there. Um, and then with that being said, I also think not that – you know, you or I, this is not our style at all to bet it, but Patrick Hanley could win it nine to one. I mean, he was 10 under, I think, after the first round last year, and everyone already crowned him the winner. They ended up catching him, but obviously a perfect spot for him. He's excellent on these shorter West Coast tracks. Um, obviously could see him winning this thing. Yeah, of course he can. Um, that goes without saying, and it feels like after a 200 to one Swafford, an 80 to one list, we're due for maybe a week where, you know, the dealer just comes in and wipes the table and says, try again next week, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that gets me to my first bet. Uh, I did – I only have one guy under the 40 kind of range that you like you talked about um, is Justin Rose. Um, I, I've been on him the last two weeks. His number has been obviously gradually going up, but I can't, I can't get off him now because um, 
he's been playing well. I mean, if you bet, you, you bet a guy every week just because he doesn't win doesn't mean you can't bet him again because only one guy wins. So um, he's playing some of the best golf he's played in two or three years. Pebble Beach, great place for him. Um, you know, he, he, he was in contention there in the 2019 U.S. Open, finished third. He was sixth here in 2016. Doesn't play it all that often, but uh, when he does, he's very good here. Uh, and, you know, the last couple of years, we've seen him putt it very well, but we haven't seen that iron play that, that uh, you know, he had and when he was very good in that, you know, 2018, 2019. And that's kind of coming back. He had a really hot hot week a couple of weeks ago on, a, on Sunday prior to last week. And then he gained 5.5 strokes on approach in only two rounds at Torrey Pines which is fourth in the field. Um, so it seems like everything is coming together at the right time. I actually think uh, 28 to one is kind of a fair number on him considering the other guys we're seeing in the field, you know, day being at 20. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hopping in at 28 to one. Uh, yeah. Having already recorded something with Mayo this morning, he's bet Justin Rose made a lot of the same cases uh, that you have. Um, you know, you look at the other players in that range, McNeely, Tringali, power um you know they're sort of their own tier in and of themselves right now if you had to rank them uh you know rose would probably be most people's favorite this week and and a popular mcneely i'm not i don't know i don't hate the pick i'm not i'm not there though i'm not there yet i guess i should say i'm not there yet but uh rose i think he'll be and i don't mean this as a negative Seems like he could be a very popular play because I think a lot of people are seeing exactly what you're seeing. And that number does seem quite fair. And in this field, even his lack of recent wins, his win equity, sort of much like a Jason Day, uh, still is worth a lot in this in this field. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, but, but you're talking about popularity. I think Maverick McNeely at 28 is going to be much more popular than Rose, and I can't stomach that. I, that's something I couldn't, I could never get to. Yeah, that's a tough one. Again, I've seen him um, sort of like Rose show up on a lot of people's cards, uh, 70 to 1 last week. It, it's a back and forth, like even debating between him Tringali and and Power, I would probably put Power ahead of them just because of how consistently good Power has been lately. He was right there at the MX a couple weeks ago, uh, had a had a bad start. Um, but with Mav, like he's a guy that a lot of people were projecting to have big seasons. Unfortunate, a big season. Unfortunately for Mav, this happens in the outright golf game quite a bit. Um, you lose the number without catching the win, mm-hmm. right? Like you've lost those good uh, Maverick McNeely numbers and you didn't catch the win. And in many respects, we could see that with Zalatoris. I'll be curious to see uh, what Will's number will be when we get to the stronger fields again. It's hard to quantify it in this field, but let's see when we get to one of those stronger ones but, yeah, I think there are people chasing the math thing. That being said, I think you can't deny that um, even from a year to year, he's a more confident player. He's probably seen in a different uh, class uh, uh, or tier on tour. And now he comes to a course that you would think is the bread and butter Maverick McNeely course. What he does well um, suits this this uh, triangle of courses very well. 
the second place last year, the great week last week. So there's just so many like little things that even if people are tempted to stay away, I, for lack of a better term, an annoying one, he ch- does check a lot of boxes despite that number creeping. I have not made any move though there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. All those points are correct, and that's actually why I'm glad he's 28 because I didn't really want to have to bet him and join and join the Mavic nearly party. So I saw the 28, and I said, "Great, I can avoid that, and uh, I won't feel bad if he wins." Yeah, I, and I think people are not like you. People hoping that they would have caught a 40 or something. I don't know. I think that's. Uh, I mean, look at Day. He was 80 last week. He's 20. I'm not trying to compare what they've done, but everybody's taken a hit. Spieth was 40 last week. He's 20. Zalatoris is chopped in half, um, you know, so I wouldn't like really hold that entirely against Mav. I'll say if you were going to bet him at 35, don't like run away because it's 28. And maybe right. that's easy to say because I haven't made the bet yet, but that's all. That's all. Or just triple think it before you decide not to. I yep. I hear you on that. Um so tell me, who's, who's the first first guy you made, first bet that you made? Um, my first bet that I have made, well, it's still farther up, but this is the whole range of where I am I am thinking. And it starts with the next guy on the board, uh, the next couple, to be honest. Matthew Fitzpatrick at 40-1. to 1. Um, I, This could just be a blind play for me. I can't stand that he hasn't played yet, but – Against this field on these courses, you know, Neiman hadn't played yet. He handled himself quite well at Torrey Pines last week. Um, it just seems like the ultimate Matt Fitzpatrick course, 40 to 1, seems like a real high number. Maybe like thinking about betting him at 28 to 1, 25 to 1 at Bay Hill in a month, Matt. Yeah, that's, inc- that's an incredible number. I was I was going to ask you about that. I honestly haven't even thought about it until I just looked at it until you said it, and I was going to say it in a second ago. But, yeah, I think last year here he was like 18 to 1. I mean, 18 or 20. I mean, he's obviously the perfect fit. Um, you know, oddly enough, we've talked about uh, how he's kind of better at the longer at the longer tracks when uh, API obviously being very long. So I don't know if that's just a coincidence considering, obviously, he's not the longest off the tee, but um, – it, it is a perfect spot in 40s and kind of an outrageous number looking at the guys around him. I mean, 10 points higher than Seamus Power. Look at what, what they've both accomplished in their career and their respective tours. I I think uh, that's a great idea. I don't know. The guy, he was on the European Ryder Cup team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know I, that team is, you know, at a lower point in its, you know, history, but. It's, you know, in the, in the, from a world ranking perspective, you know, and I'm not trying to compare him to Minwoo Lee, who who I you know maybe come up later as a guy whose number is, if you're looking at the world rankings, which we know as golf fans are very skewed in their own way. But even moving on here, Matt, uh, Kevin Kisner, I think at fifty to one, at an event that feels like it just it just totally works for Kisner. He's a type of guy that, you know, how do I put this? It's almost like, like, well, you know, I've got this space heater that keeps automatically going on and on <laughs> beside me, and it's just really distracting me. I don't know what button I mashed on it to put it on this timer. So now it's really just annoying me. So it distracts me every time it goes on and off. I apologize. I hope you guys can hear it. But 
Kisner, you feel like these are the events he gets up for now, a.k.a. the ones he can win. And the majors, he's just like happy to hang out at, you know, Justin Thomas's, you know, big rental house, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, finish 30th. Uh, he's very self-aware despite, you know, maybe us taking some clickbait headlines about, you know, Ryder Cup stuff with him. Yeah, yeah, he does yeah. seem to be very hyper self-aware about where he can win, how he can win, and how he can keep his card forever. And it's places like this. So I'm intrigued very much by Kevin Kisner. Not so much buying the Streelman, Larry Fitzgerald thing. He's just a guy I don't bet, much like Cameron Tringali. I've never missed him because I've never swung. So I don't really care to start. Um, Lonto at 50, think I think is incredibly fair. And uh, uh, Bezadenhout is a guy I bet at the Amex at 60. And it's, and it's, as you kind of alluded to, it's a lot of maybe the same profile type players. And, and honestly, some of the players that I have looking at are players that I did bet at the Amex. So um, those are the guys just above 50 and it would be, I wouldn't, you know, between Fitz, Kisner, Lonto, Bezaden, Hode, I'm going to have some decisions and probably bet a couple of them. Yeah, I, I like that. The one thing that stops me with Kisner is I don't know if, you know, it's just kind of my bias, but I picture him on these Bermuda courses and I'm looking kind of through his course history at Pebble Beach. He doesn't really have much. He has one, I think he has a 10th place three or four years ago, but he lost three strokes putting despite that 10th. So I don't know if it's just yeah, a bias. Yeah, that's good. I like hearing that too, because I just this thing is so you know how it is. Like I don't know how other people do it, but you get the odds board and kind of like I'm crossing off names until I'm left with a handful of names, and then from that you got to make a small handful, and it's almost like you got to find reasons not to bet a guy. And it's just like yeah, Kisner winning in California, cross it yeah. off, cross right. it off. You have to, you have to, or else you're going to want to bet everybody. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but you have to believe in kind of what you, what you think there. And that's, that's where I'm at with that. And I, I agree with you a lot on Lonto Griffin. I've made that bet already. I found a 55 to one. I thought that was nice. great. Yeah. Um, last week, 30th, but he finished, um, finished strong. Shot a 65 on Sunday. You know, a lot of these times we see these guys on Sunday go low and they can kind of carry it into the next week and the momentum and play really well. Um, so you want to look for those guys who played well on Sunday, almost like Rose two weeks ago who carried that momentum in into last week. Um, and he, he, you know, he gained three and a half on approach. That's pretty good. Um, he was third at the American express. We talked about that crossover uh, and he's been pretty good from T to green. He has that, not, we, there's some trends that, you know, we didn't really talk about, but, it said, I think, you know, 16 of the past 18 winners, something like that, have had a top 10 here in their past three starts. He was ninth in 2020, um, and he gained three and a half putting. So I think he likes these greens. And, you know, I looked at uh, strokes gain on par 72s that are under 7,200 yards, so some shorter par 72s. And he's fourth uh, in the field in that, in that category. So he likes the short ones. He's playing well, has a comp at American Express, 55. I know he can win if he gets in the mix, so I, I bet that. Yeah, I like that um, a lot. He's definitely on my super short list, so I am I like I'm like hearing that he again checks a lot of of those boxes. Um, your thoughts on Bizadenhout? He checks none of those boxes, uh, especially if you're a course history guy. So that is one thing that is concerning for me as it pertains to him. But I think it's uh, I don't know. I- I'm always tempted. This this is my thing. When I think about Bezadenhout, I think about all right. He's in the final group. 
back nine. He's tied for the lead. He's hitting that thing in the fucking Pacific Ocean. That's what I'm picturing with him because you can't trust him off the tee, and I, I don't – have yeah. we really seen him – It might happen end? before Sunday usually, I'll be honest. Yeah, it probably will, and I don't, I don't, we haven't seen him really contend on tour – um, he's, he's had some good finishes and, you know, some of them backdoor and you've seen his name in the mix, but like, he's never sniffed that actual contention yet. And for me, it's just too, he's too reliant on the putter. Um, and I want guys who I know can find the fairway here. And he, I just, I don't trust him to put it in the fairway when the, when it gets uh crunch time. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair enough. That would have been my one objection is he can make three birdies in a row and it all goes away in one swing into the Pacific and, you like him at those courses wide open where there's less less trouble, despite not needing to be long here. There are some exacting, uh, you know, sort of placement tees, I think. Yeah, you, you visual would. eye lines is definitely – got to be somewhat precise. Um, and with that being said, I, we talked about Rose at 28-1. to 1. I can also picture him going to the Pacific too, just so uh, – just, just in case when that happens, um, you know, I, I have footage of me saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so you told me those four guys in the 50-to-1 range. Anybody else kind of before we hit like the 80 and above? Because I don't have anyone else below here that I'm really yeah, – So I'm right in the wagon. I uh, took the miscut on the chin at Sony at 130-to-1, was back on at 100 for second place at the Amex. I got myself – it was the first bet I made uh, was Tom Hoagie, 75-to-1. Bet him at the Amex. It profiles uh, – like just again, a little plotting way for Hoagie to get around. I see him getting around much like he did at, at the MX. So I wasn't getting off. Uh, Tom Hoagie seventy-five to one for me. Checks checks all the boxes, like you said. Uh, my question about Hoagie is: is is he going to be the guy who's uh, forever a bride bridesmaid and never the bride? Yeah, I, there's a lot of guys like that, and you know. But then Luke List was one of them, right? Yeah, Luke List, but even this event in general, your Nick Taylors, your Ted Potter Juniors, I don't know. There just seems to be, for whatever the debating points are, um, you know, the, the, they just feel like they have a puncher's chance to lift this to lift this trophy. So I'm in on Hoagie. Um, yeah, other is in this range. I mentioned Minwoo Lee is probably having nice value comparative to world ranking if you're into that and you could argue that this event sets up for him uh but a few of these guys i don't mind at all like i i didn't cross any of them off yet your michael thompson's your lucas glovers but for me more specifically chris kirk i'll probably find a way to make that into a prop bet because at 80 to 1 you'll probably still get some nice uh payback i feel like last year he put a ball in the water on 18 that cost me my prop but this is a run of events that he normally plays well in and russell knox a guy I bet at the amex i know it's a um an annoying repetitive thing i've probably been saying but for a lot of the same reasons i liked him at the amex i don't mind him at all again this week yeah i, I bet two guys in this range one of them was russell knox um okay yeah so 80, 80 to one. I, I was on him last year and he finished in seventh, but I remember there was a time in the tournament where I thought he had a chance to win. He just couldn't make a putt shocker, but um, I just can picture it gets a little windy. He got the beanie cap on. He's hitting everything to seven feet. Just make a couple of them. Um, I, I think 
you know, we saw he's like a Luke List too. We saw him last last week. Um, it's a premier premier ball striker, can't putt, but um, if he just has a decent week, like List last week, gained three strokes on approach. If Knox can just, I mean, sorry, putting. If Knox can just gain one or two putting, I think he can be fine, especially if the wind picks up. Um, he'll be all right. Sony a couple weeks ago, he finished in seventh place, gained five point one on approach. So even though he wasn't good um, last week, I'm not too concerned about that. He has some good course history. I just this is just a knock spot. I like maybe is he capable of winning? I don't know, but I think he can definitely get in the mix. Yeah. So a lot of the reasons you highlighted are reasons that I um I'm probably gonna see myself betting him again. Before I cross a hundred, like I don't know, Aaron Rag, it seems like a lot of people are attached to him because they saw him on TV uh this week. You know, a lot of people who watch European tour golf see him quite regularly. I don't know, 90 to one for any player. It like any, you can make a case. Like, how do you put this? I'm not betting Aaron Rye, but I, you can't make a, a bad comment about a guy in form at 90 to one for this event. Like if people want to bet him. Yeah. I, I am betting Rye actually. I, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of pepper this 80 to 100 range, 70, 80, 90, hundred after that, after that 28 I have, um, I, I like him a lot because this is his type of place. Like smaller greens, he's really really good in greens re- regulation. He's gaining three and a half strokes on the field in greens regulation in his past five events. Um, driving accuracy is what he does. He just peppers fairways over and over again. He finds the fairway. Uh, putting is his, his weakness, but he put pretty well last week. And it's early to tell, but it seems like the POA, he's putting it okay there. Finished sixth last week. Didn't look good in contention, but... I like the fact that he sniffed contention. He felt that final goal. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got to – for a player like that that lacks that, like, totality of experience at all, before you're willing to call him like a never can win, you allow them to taste some smoke and lose, of course, right? Absolutely, yeah. Like, I know you, Matt. Like, you'll turn on guys, like, quick once you get a taste. And that's such a part – I'm not even saying that as an insult because I carry a lot of that also. Like, so much of this is – like you don't care if there's good value in a number. If you don't believe a guy he can win, he's just a dead fish. Right. And I call these guys losers and you laugh at that, but a guy I'll call a loser is Cam Tringali. He's a loser because I don't think he's he's capable of winning, but also the antics he does when he gets it can take I can't stand that. Oh shit. god. He's he's, shit. he's the absolute worst. It's like do something before. And McNeely, he hasn't shown me that he can they can really do it either. I mean, when I was on champ at the three M when I wasn't worried for a second. McNeely had the lead down the stretch. I said, this guy's going to crumble. I can just see it in his mannerism. So I don't trust him either, especially at 28 to 1. But when you get to the 80, 90 range, and the guys who are especially still young, that's that's a big difference too. I mean, Trincali's not young. Um, you know, some of these guys that people think are kind of up-and-comers who really aren't up-and-comers, Rye's still 26, and I still think he can he can kind of get there. Yeah. And, you know – You might be selling me on Rye, playing a lot of that European golf. He's, he's tasted – he, yeah, I don't mind him. He can also hang, I think, if it gets uh, a little dicier on the ocean as well. It, my only concern is a little. He's fucking creepy looking with the two the two gla- the two gloves. Yeah, and you, you you almost like can write red list a guy who has iron head covers, right? Yeah, very strange. I, I got I got a bunch of texts because I have a lot of friends who kind of just like casual viewers, and they're like. Who the hell is this guy? He's creeping me out. And I was like, yeah, I mean, a lot he of gloves, us- iron head covers. Like, there's a lot of like, this is a de- this is a guy like I'll never bet because of yeah, a like- lot of uh, narrative perception um, things. But yeah, no, he he uh, 
I guess it's a matter of you trust him more than say like a Kirk, a Glover, a Matt Jones. You have you have confidence in like a ceiling that you might believe is there, as opposed to feeling like you know what the other guys are capable of and you don't trust them. Right. Yeah, he might be a serial killer, but I'm in this week. Um and it kind of goes against that narrative we're just talking about with the loser thing. I, I kind of put too much in the other way. I'm like saying a guy, I know who can do it, even if they haven't really done it in a while. That's why I get down that road with all these kind of washed up type of guys. But I have one. I'm giving Cooch one more chance here. I can just picture him walking down the fairway in his sketchers with a smile on his face and just knocking down 15, 20 footers all week. I mean, it's sort of what I said about Kisner, but – I guess it goes to Cooch. There are a few places that, um, you know, he can punch, and this is certainly one of them. I feel like the books in some ways aren't letting us catch the number because as I've already discussed uh, today, or as Mayo brought up, a lot of people, so I, you know, I've already just had that conversation recently, so a lot of it's fresh in my head, but mm-hmm. a lot of people went to bed last night thinking they could catch the books on uh on Kucher. Um, you know, with maybe something bigger, maybe an eight in front of it or above. But no, the books were a little hot to that. Yeah, I got a sixty six. I thought well, that was all right. Uh he was sixteenth here at the twenty nineteen US Open. He was good at Sony, finished seventh. I just I don't think he's done yet. I think he has one last run and this is one of the Kucher courses where it can happen. And um and he's just a guy when he gets in contention, he he knows how to grab it. Yeah, I, I I can't argue with any part of that. Um, you know, if he does win and I'm sitting there with, like, and Hote and Hoagie tickets and he was essentially the same price, you'll feel, you know, I'll feel pretty pretty silly. Yep, so that that's all um, for me. And I have one bet over 100 to 1. Who are you looking at over 100 to 1? Over 100 to 1, I made one bet this morning. It was on uh, Pendrith. I bet him at 150. Uh, you know, just as long as he doesn't find trouble, I think he could, could could hang here. But I'm not – how do you put this? For, like, at the MX, I really enjoyed betting the 100 to 1s. This one I didn't as much. It's sort of you pointed out. It's sort of that 50 to 80 to 1 range that um, – that has me most excited uh, to make my losing bets, Matt. But yeah, Pendrith, one fifty. I could be talked into. Um, I could be talked into anything. I guess in and around this range. I thought Tagala at one ten. You know, seems high, but it, you sort of decompress it for a moment. Is that just because like I watched him on TV this weekend? You know, so you got to just double think it. Taylor Moore. Pretty popular player right now, one one twenty five. I think we're going to see him get quite a bit of love. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to avoid those guys with all the steam. You know, fuck that. It's Taylor Moore at one twenty five. I'm good. Um, but one guy I'm looking at, and this is again kind of me going back to my old habits here. Um, Pat Perez, right? Yeah. He, he has he has some history. He was fourth in 2015, 14th in 2017, 26 last year. He plays it pretty well. He was sixth place place last week. Gained five point two on approach. Um, you know, if there's a place an older guy can win, obviously it's here. We've seen Vaughn Taylor's of the world win here. Um, he's putting it well. Uh, he he puts it well on fast POA. He has good course history. He's grew up in the West Coast, grew up in Scottsdale. Um, and I can just picture the, picture him smoking a dart on the 18th green, holding the trophy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not 
It's hard to. I, I get it. It's. It might be. I'm not there. Listen, I'm not here. Like I'm. I don't. I'll never. You know. Like it's. Like you're picking 110 to one. You know. It is what it is. I. I'm not there. Um, I, 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 I hear you. Uh, I've been seeing, I'll tell you, just one guy tell me what side of it you're on. Uh, I feel like he's gotten steamed down, and the book we're looking at might still have the biggest number in town because uh, I'm seeing a lot of 60s out there, 66s. But Andrew Putnam seems to be a very popular Monday morning long shot. Yeah, not he's not for me, I uh, especially getting steamed down. But even at 100, I'm good. Like, he was 150, I think, at the American Express, and I like that bet a little bit. I know on, on the show I had with Tom Jacobs, he was big into him, and he had a good week. But I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't picture Putnam as – I don't know. I mean, I know he, he can get hot with a putter, and I just don't know what his ceiling is at this point. He hasn't really sniffed contention in a very long time, and um, I'm, I think I'm just out, especially with all the steam on him. One one last guy who I did look at, I didn't bet, and I'm probably not going to bet, but I was I thought about it long and hard was um Neesmith. Yeah. Mentioned him this morning. Uh yeah, does a lot of things. He was a flavor of the month that kind of feels a little bit forgotten right now. 110 to one, that approach play. Um you know, he does a lot of things that you're paying for some guys in that 60, 70 to range, what they do, and mm-hmm. you're getting 110. That's one I don't mind uh, at all. I could be a part of that one. He's very good course history as well. Um, uh, 16th here last season. So the only thing I don't love about him is he hasn't really been playing that well. His stats haven't been great in the last couple of weeks, and I'm kind of looking for someone who's playing a little better. But I'll just recap who, I, who I've bet already and kind of who I'm thinking about, and then I'll have you do the same. Um I'm thinking about day. I just don't want to be on for three weeks and, and hop off. But I know uh, the number is just very hard to stomach. But I've bet Rose at 28 to 1. I've bet Lonto at 55 to 1. I've bet Cooch at 66. Rye at 90. Uh, Knox at 80. And Perez at 110. What do you have so far and what are you thinking about? Okay, so I've bet Hoagie 75, Pendrith 150. I'm probably going to find myself on Lanto. Uh, 50-55. It's Fitzpatrick at that 40. Uh, Although it's like one of those bets where the fact I haven't made it yet, Matt, it's like I'm still waiting for almost like that Kisner thing, like a piece of logic to just hit me to be like, nope, we just got to cross that one one off. But uh, Fitzpatrick, 40. Lonto, 50. Bezayden Hote. 55 knocks 80 um and if i'm going to fire something below yeah i wouldn't be shocked i'm not hating mcneely as much as you are and power would be part of that consideration as well makes sense if you do need something to get you over the finish line on on crossing out fitzpatrick it's just that um i think 20 of the last 21 winners have had at least a top 15 or something here in the career. I just kind of made up those numbers, but it's something like that. And he really has done nothing here. He had a miscut, a 60th, uh, and another poor finish in his, in his three starts here. So that'd be one reason. Ironically, the U.S. Open, he did well here, but oh, that's that, right. fits, that fits the narrative of like when it's harder, it's better for him, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even look at the U.S. Open. So that, that makes no, that's sense. fair. It's easy, it's easy to ignore it. Um, I just had that uh, dug up. 
for me earlier today. That's the only reason I, I was aware of that U.S. Open to sort of counter the course history no fits. But again, this isn't the U.S. Open. Like you mentioned, Bay Hill and Fitz sort of plays his best when it's, you know, it's got some teeth and some variables or, um, you know, that can eliminate other players and sort of leave him standing by process of elimination outside of him being really good and dominating, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, all right, well, that's, that's all we have. I, was, I enjoyed having you on. And before you leave, I want to get uh, one thing. What's your Super Bowl pick? Uh, I don't know, Matt. I don't like <laughs> this. I really wanted the 49ers. I had a big 60-1 to 49er future uh, I wanted to cheer for. I'm happy the Chiefs are out. I was suffering from Chiefs fatigue, let alone if you love any sport, you're not cheering for their division rival, let alone when you've seen them four years in a row. So I love the fact that there's new blood. And I I think L.A. is going to win. They've really, in some ways, played like so much flawless football in the last six weeks. If you take out the end of the Bucs game and their 49er games, they've been like flawless. But I thought the 49ers would beat the shit out of the Bengals. They would have done what the Titans did with the sacks, but they wouldn't have done the stupid stuff. So I'm really pissed the 49ers lost. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that completely. I like the Rams. I think uh, – I like to see OBJ. I like I like how he's playing right now. It's nice to see him <laughs> playing well and fitting in with the team. And I like Stafford. I, I, I like what the Rams got going on. And I think the Bengals hype train is too much for me. I'm just a contrarian. I, everyone loves the Bengals, so I don't like them anymore. <laughs> yeah, and as like a Charger fan – like, we're like a nobody, a forgotten entity anyway. So I'm going to say this and people be like, you already were that. But any glimmer of hope of not being like the mid-early 90s Clippers, mm-hmm. it kind of just dies with the Rams going to the Super Bowl. It, it does. So Oh, that's true. I didn't even think of it from that. From that so, like, we're, I mean, we're, we're in their building. No one is paid – no one is given the NFL or out of their own pocket paid more money to this league in our lifetime than Stan Kroenke to move that team out of St. Louis to privately fund that stadium. It almost feels like if you think there's going to be a fishy call or you're in one of those, there's no way like Kroenke's not going to pull this thing off. Like he paid way too much money. And from the other part of it, I can't like the Rams – they dig me only because I cheer for a team that wins nothing, Matt. So just know it comes from this place. But, you know, where we've got to use draft picks and we've got to build it. And the Rams are like, no, we understand draft picks have value, but we're just going to utilize that value differently. And boom. Now, granted, you've got to be able to maneuver the cap and probably pay a lot of things like they have Kroenke to do, like eat a lot of money to pay, blah, 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 blah. But they just... It's not like they don't value the draft picks. They just utilize the value differently. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and they manipulate the cap. And they, yeah, it's like the way you don't really want to see a team build it. And I, I know I said it was the last thing, but I have one more thing to say to you. Uh, I know we kind of think similarly on this. Um, my preseason show, uh, preseason preview, I, I bet Victor Hovland 33 to 1 to win the Masters. I'm still, I'm seeing that it's still 25 to 1. Any interest on getting on board on that one? Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't might- mind that. If anything, like the Super Bowl, I like losing so much money that I might take my Super Bowl winner and parlay it with Victor just because 
that'll just be like a side fart win because you know whatever I bet on the game will be a lot, and then I'll just have that little nugget. Maybe I'll do something like that. So if the Rams win, you won't be so depressed about them winning, and you can maybe have a no. I'm going to be annoyed, but I'll re- when I do realize I have that Vic ticket when we start talking Masters, I I will be um, I'll be happy. I love Vic. I love Vic, and you know me. I'll be supplementing that with Victor by a field goal at the Masters if I make that move, Matty. I think it might be 18-1 to by then, so I I still like it. Um, Well, all right. I appreciate it, Jeff Feinberg. Uh, Thanks for the time. You're the man. We all, uh, the listeners, we will be happy to hear you on the show, and uh, I'll hopefully talk to you soon. All the best, Matt. Good times. Thank you. Thank you. Just tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room.